It is Monday, August 8th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, is Jared Smoll. And Jared, before we dive in today, I feel like I owe you a bit of an apology because there's something we have not discussed enough on the show so far. Most people listening, I'm sure, know about the Fantasy Pros Annual Expert Accuracy Contest. The multi-year standings don't get as much focus as each individual year when it comes out. But I'm sitting right now across from a guy who ranks second among the 106 rankers that qualify for that multi-year. That's over the past three years. Jared Smoll is second among that entire universe of rankers. And I mean, it's impressive enough. I know the work you put into it, but it matters like... I, the reason we haven't talked about it really on here, I think, is because neither of us are all that comfortable bragging, but it matters because it's really the primary reason people are coming to Draft Sharks. Yeah, it's it's nice. Um, it's, it's second place, which, you know, kind of <laughs> grinds my gears. I, I've come in second in a few things in Fantasy Pros. I have not won anything yet. So it's nice. I mean, it's, uh, you know, validation for the work that I put in. I know you put in. And, and, and Matt, you're a big part of it, too, because I bounce stuff off you, and I think you help me make my rankings better just with the back and forth we have. So I got to give you some props there. Um, and the fact that it's second and not first keeps me motivated. You know, I, I, I need to be, I need to be better still. Let's hope that I'm sharpening you instead of bringing you down from first to second place. We'll, we'll well, see. I, I think it's likely that I would not be in second without, without you. So you can also tell that Jared is a dad because he said grinds my gears. Like we're <laughs> like, we're doing an episode of cars or something oh, yeah. here. So, yeah, but I mean, it, you know, it's definitely worth talking about because it is important. And it, the, the record of accuracy for draft shark, predates the fantasy pros competition it predates my time at draftsharks.com so uh, i remember the first time that i encountered you guys at one of those fsta conferences out in vegas you were picking up an award for winning the accuracy competition yeah we used to dominate when it was based on the projections <laughs> you know if, if you get down to that level of, of detail that's when we really shine but yeah you know, we, we've done pretty well in the rankings too and like i said you know we're not saying this just to be like oh look at us look, look what happened here it's important because it's those projections that drive everything. And I mean, this time of year, we're watching everything. We're constantly updating. There's news, there's buzz, there's preseason usage. And that's what we're going to be focusing on today is guys who are moving up and down. But it's it's what all that stuff does to those rankings. And we get this question multiple times throughout this portion of the year. People are always saying, I've got a draft tomorrow. Are your rankings up to date? Yeah. So the answer is Yes. And now you can just check the website. You don't have to take our word for it. Go to any of the rankings pages and you'll see a date and a timestamp at the top. And I'm looking at it right now. It says updated 8.47 a.m. on August 8th. That's today. That's an hour and 20 minutes before this. And like the last time I looked at it, it was last night. So since I looked at it earlier this morning, there has been an update. So something has changed. We're going to talk about the things that have changed. Yeah, quite literally any time I read or see something that, you know, makes me value guys differently, even if it's just a little bit, you know, we're, we're updating those rankings. I know a lot of other sites have updated rankings, but they'll go in, you know, once a week and update them. You know, what if your draft is, you know, five days since their last update, you're kind of working off um, outdated stuff. So we're updating them literally every day between now and week one. Uh, this morning's update was actually the Eagles backfield. There's some stuff about, you know, Kenneth Gainwell's role. So Miles Sanders down a little bit, Kenneth Gainwell up a little bit. And Nick Sirianni was wearing a Kenneth Gainwell shirt yesterday <laughs> yeah. at his press conference. So sure maybe, maybe that's a factor here. 
Um, yeah, so this is the time of year where we're on like specific shark bites shifts, and I'll go to write a shark bite, and I'm like, geez, Jared, it's already in there. Why don't you take a break? You know, kiss your wife, mow your lawn, and I can get this shark bite. But no, he's there. It's like 9.45 on a Saturday night. I'm like, dude, I'm on the clock. Just give me a second, and I can write this. My lawn is mowed, <laughs> and I got 18 holes in on Saturday morning, so I'm, I'm doing there fine. You go. Yeah, covering all the bases. So uh, even more important than the rankings pages, I mentioned the rankings pages, but the up-to-date projections power the draft war room, and that's really your personal rankings page because, you know, we have the basic site rankings, and they follow – the scoring that's in a lot of leagues, but there's also lots of room for, you know, individual customization by league. And that's where it matters that you set up a draft war room. You get your specific league scoring in there. You get your specific lineup settings. And then when you get that war room, you take it with you into your draft, you get top recommendations at every turn. And those recommendations aren't just saying, well, this is who draft sharks ranks highest. It's those projections. It's cross positional values. It's your league starting requirements. So obviously there's a difference to starting three wide receivers every week versus two. Uh, it has, you know, what you already have rostered, what's still available on the board, ADP, which can differ by format. We have several different formats in there, but, you know, that ADP can factor in because, you know, sometimes the answer is not take the next guy in the rankings because you can get him next round almost definitely. And so you take somebody else that you won't have that shot at. Yeah, that's huge. Uh, you know, that's a big part of having good drafts. I think it's the dynamic aspect of the board that makes it so powerful. Right. I mean, it's 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 customized to your league scoring system. A lot of other sites do that now. But like you alluded to, Matt, it, it is updating throughout the draft based on based on ADP, based on who's available, based on your team needs. So it's awesome. Super easy. We sync up with basically any commissioning site. Now, I set up my board for tomorrow night's DS Invitational on Fantrax this morning, actually hit like two buttons, synced it up to Fantrax and the, the rankings were all there for the Superflex format. For the tight end premium, the, you know, the draft war room handles all that stuff. Yeah, the sync is the last part of that. I mean, in nearly all cases, you just hit the sync. It will connect to your specific draft site. It'll import all the stuff. You'd be like, oh, I don't have to do anything else to set it up. Sweet. And then as you're drafting, automatically takes players off the board. So it, you know, it's a dynamic, important tool when you're in the heat of a draft. And before you ask, uh, if you are if you guys update your projections while I'm drafting. Am I going to get those in my ranking? Yeah, it's yeah, yep. it's going to be there. Every time your board refreshes, it'll have the most up-to-date projections that we have on the site. And we're going to get to, like I said, the players that have moved up or down. But if you're sitting there thinking like, Matt, you sound even better than usual. I didn't know that was possible. I mean, that's thanks to the studio that we're in right now, Rockbox Recording and Production in Rochester, New York. They offer professional podcasts, voiceover, live stream studios, production services. You can go to rockbox.com now to check them out. And I can tell you that I'm sitting in a much comfier chair right now than I am at home. I'm at a better microphone. I can see Jared. He's not across the computer screen from me. And afterward, probably even better, like I'll get home and the production's already done for me. I don't have to go home and then cut out all the little bits and tack things on and be ready to post it. It's it, it's it's delivered to me. I want to see if there's like an apartment for rent up above here so you know we can just do all of our shows from here. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I, I can just offer to do like the front door voice maybe when the door's locked and be like, hello, who are you looking for? So yeah, we'll, we'll work something out. We'll talk afterward. But I think now it's time, Jared, to talk about the guys from camp, all the buzz, negative or positive, guys that are moving up or down the board. And I think we probably have to talk, start with Matthew Stafford because his elbow injury has been 
one of the biggest stories of training camp so far. Yeah, this stuff's always tricky. I mean, we're not doctors, so that, you know, for one, makes it tricky. We do have a bunch of smart people that we can, you know, follow and interact with on Twitter to give us info on this type of stuff. But with Stafford, we don't even know what the injury is. I was going to say, even the smart people are guessing right now. The Rams haven't told us. None of the big national reporters have found out what this is. We know it's a right-throwing issue. We know he's still having pain as of, you know, early, getting close to mid-August now. Um, He got an injection in the spring. You know, Sean McVay said it's a tricky deal. He said it's abnormal for a quarterback. So, again, doesn't tell us what it is, but it's, you know, something he's never seen before. Um, So that's kind of the bad news. The good news, though, you know, Stafford has been dealing with this. The Rams say they were not caught off guard by it. He has been throwing Mm -hmm. in camp and looking good from the videos we've seen. So it seems like more of like an annoyance and something that's actually going to impact him this season. It's not ideal. I'd rather have him not dealing with it. But, you know, we've nudged him down our rankings, but, you know, haven't moved him significantly. He's still fine to draft at cost, I think. Yeah, obviously we'd rather have a quarterback with no pain in his throwing elbow, but he was throwing over the weekend. So if it were like, oh, my God, what's wrong? He might need Tommy John surgery. Then they probably would have him off to the side watching things. So... I think, you know, what I've been thinking so far about it is, well, a quarterback with a question about his throwing arm. There are so many quarterbacks. I think I'll just pass on the guy. But I think that's probably going to be the prevailing thought. So if he falls down even just a little bit, you know, it becomes, well, there are tons of quarterbacks out there. I can take Stafford at a discount now and I can easily find insurance behind him because in most leagues, quarterback is the easiest offensive position to, you know, replace. Yeah, and Stafford's underdog ADP is down about a half a round over the last week, so his his price has been impacted by this. Um, yeah, I'm with you. Quarterback's so replaceable. Stafford, you know, he's going in the mid ninth round on underdog. Like, I'll I'll take on that risk where you know he finished five six spots higher than that in terms of fantasy points last year. So it might end up being a big profit. To me, the bigger question is, do you still want to take Cooper Cup with you know a top three pick? Do you, you know, want to take Allen Robinson in the fourth round? Because you know the Rams. Backup is John Walford. That's that's gonna that's gonna be an issue if Stafford misses time with this injury this season. Yeah, and I mean I, that's obviously a much more of a personal comfort level thing. I, I think if we're not knocking Stafford off of our board, then I have to yeah. keep Cooper Cup where he's going. Allen Robinson, I've, I kind of like can take. Don't feel like I need, so I'm not going to change my opinion on him. And then you know, as we get closer, we'll see if we get more on Stafford but you know again if he's throwing it all it seems like the stance we should take is uh, we can't worry too much we'll keep watching yeah I'm still scooping up Allen Robinson in the in the fourth round quite a bit um and I'm, I'm still taking cup you know at least at, at three overall once the two RBs are off the board yeah I mean he's going in that range where you're not taking him 100% of the time anyway uh, or even the if the the QB were totally healthy yeah. um it, anything I mean Allen Robinson Obviously, there's a Stafford question, but the other thing with him is every time somebody reports on him, it's like the Rams love this guy and he's awesome. Yeah, and that's the thing with all this camp stuff, too. You want to hear it consistently and from different beat writers. Like a lot of times, you know, you'll hear consistent stuff, but it's from the same beat writer over and over again. Like every article he writes, he's, he's uh, you know, lauding some player for their camp. But with Robinson, it's been multiple guys. We had Cam DeSilver on our podcast tell us mm-hmm. he thinks Robinson's in for a big bounce back season. Robert Mays of The Athletic spent a couple days with the Rams. Like his main takeaway was that like Robinson <laughs> has looked awesome and the team loves this guy. So I- I'm buying. We've like yeah. A-Rob throughout his career. I'm writing off last year as, you know, it was the Bears. 
bad situation. He he probably wasn't putting in 100 percent effort in that situation. Mm-hmm. He knew he was out of there after the, that year. So the guy's still only 29 years old. I think he has a bounce back season in him. And again, I love drafting Robinson in the, in the fourth round. Yeah, that was the thing. Is heading into the off season, it was like I guess we'll see. But then the Rams said he he's fine. We're gonna go ahead and pay him. So yep. it's like oh okay, I, I trust that. And then like you said, everything since then is like. Listen, guys, the Rams are in love with Allen Robinson. Okay. (laughs) That's that's pretty much all I need. (laughs) The Rams' backfield might be generating a little bit less love among people. And, Jared, what's the main reason that we, I don't know, are a little bit less comfortable with this setup? Well, it's funny. Where this story came from was a Sean McVay quote where he said, you know, he was talking about Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson. And he says, you know, I look at it as we've got two starting backs. He called those guys great compliments to one another, both starting caliber players. That that stuff you'll hear a coach say. It's not hard to just say good things about two of your players. What worries me a bit more is in that same article, Jordan Rodrigue of The Athletic said that, you know, from what she's seen so far, Akers and Henderson have been splitting reps pretty evenly was, was the exact word she used so far in camp. Um, and again, it's camp. You know, they could be just messing around and, you know, trying different things. And what makes this tricky to me is that if you look at Sean McVay's history, like he has, throughout his time with the Rams, favored a clear lead back. And, and that's been true of Cam Akers, too. Cam Akers, in his last 10 games, if we omit week 18 last year when it was his first game back from the Achilles injury, 22.3 opportunities per game for Cam Akers. So the Rams have wanted to lean on him. So that that's where, like, how much do you want to read into this versus how much do you want to trust what we've seen from Sean McVay for five seasons now? Yeah, that's the part that we're going to have to keep trying to monitor because when you hear that they're splitting reps evenly, so I guess there could be two ways that that's bad. One, is that just what the coach wants to do and he likes Daryl Henderson more now and he just feels like the offense is in better shape if they're both getting you know fairly even touches or even if it's closer than we thought it was going to be. The other is, what if they're doing it to manage Cam Akers' health and you know, I guess that would be better than if he liked Daryl Henderson more. But yeah. if they feel like they need to manage Cam Akers, that also says they might not feel as comfortable giving him the workload right. that they did in the playoffs, you know, coming off of that Achilles tear. So either way, I think we have to be a little bit less sure of Cam Akers where he's going. Honestly, that's kind of where I've been anyway. I was drafting him early and then just backed off some. He has climbed up the ADP board a little bit, which helps the backing off. But, you know, another part of that is there's lots of running back value around him. There are guys that I that are sure workhorses yeah. right ahead of him. And then behind him, there are guys like CEH, Miles Sanders, who we might get to <laughs> in a little bit. But, you know, some other guys, too. So you're deciding if you're looking running back in round four and Akers ADP actually, you know, over the last week is down three spots because of this report. You're right that it had climbed, you know, into the early fourth. Now he's, you know, now he's down into the mid late fourth underdogs. You're, you're comparing him to Zeke Elliott, Brees Hall. I mean, Travis Etienne goes, you know, a half round to a round earlier, but those are the type of backs you're comparing him to. I still think Akers has the highest ceiling among those because if McVay sticks with what he has done throughout his time with the Rams and gives him, you know, 75% of the snaps in this top 10 offense, then you know, Akers is going to be an RB1. And that's why I had been drafting him in round four, because I see that upside. Um, but I, I think, as I've, I've said before, I like drafting both these guys. If I don't get Akers, I'm targeting Daryl Henderson, because he's still going in the 11th round. If he's going to get even 40% of the work, and he can be a standalone value, and then he has that RB1 upside in case Akers goes down again. I really like Brees Hall right in front of him. Behind Cam Akers is a guy that never excites anybody. David Montgomery, if yep. we're looking at underdog ADP, and he's almost a full round behind Akers. So... 
there we need to guess less on workload. I know that there's some, <laughs> you know, there are voices here and there saying, well, what if the Bears give more to Khalil Herbert? I mean, what if he's going to get something? I'm not betting on. I would bet on. I would have an easier time betting on a closer to even split among Rams backs than I would between David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert. Maybe. I mean, the, the you know thing in favor of Acres is the offense, obviously. Montgomery's on our list sure. if you want to get in, into him now because, you know, he's practicing on special teams. That, that was just that was just that's just a weird story. <laughs> it is. Right? I mean, he's, he, he's he's never done that. So I don't know. I don't know what that means. Um, you know, it. It's, is he punting? It's not a it's not a good thing. <laughs> I don't know what he was doing. Honestly, he was on special teams. He kind of said like, you know, they told me to go there. I I went and did it. So <laughs> that um, doesn't sound like a guy who's happy to be <laughs> on no, special teams. No, he's not. Teams. I mean, he shouldn't be. He's a guy who's been a feature back for his first three seasons. So I don't know what that means. It's a new it's a new staff there. Uh-huh. So I think that opens things up in this backfield a little bit. Luke Getzey from Green Bay, you know, all three seasons there, committee backfields. You know, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, and then Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. So um, we we nudged Montgomery down a little. I'm not reading into it too much, but that's a backfield I want to see in preseason, see how those first team snaps are split between Montgomery, Clayle Herbert, and then we see if uh, Trisha Nubner gets in, into the mix at all. And to me, it, more than comparing these indiv- individual players, we just talked about Cam Akers versus David Montgomery, it's not that I've gotten to that point and I'm deciding between those guys. I do like Brees Hall best among them, so if I'm making a decision, I'm going there because I think he carries the most you know, individual upside taking out the situation. But really, that's just a range that I've been – looking away from running back. I'll take among the first three rounds, you know, I'll usually wind up with two. There are the first round guys that, you know, there are second round guys that still includes Saquon Barkley, Alvin Kamara is in there, Leonard Fournette, James Connor can get into round three. So it's just by that time, I probably have two running backs and it's easier to skip over this range. That makes me uncomfortable. Even if I don't love the wide receivers coming my way. Yeah, I have been and probably will still continue to be open to taking the, the round four running backs. You know, the ETN gets there sometimes. Um, Akers, Zeke, Brees Hall, I think are all worth some shots in round four. It's that it's the next tier, the Montgomery, mm-hmm. the Josh Jacobs, the J.K. Dobbins. That's where I'm kind of out on running back and I'll wait till, yeah, the Edwards Alaire, the Pollard, the, the Sanders when you get to round seven, eight, nine. Yeah, and sometimes you can talk yourself out of a player and then you're missing the ceiling. I- Akers and David Montgomery are not players that I'm worried about being underweight on. And then they have like the RB three overall season. I don't, I don't think that ceiling is there for either of those guys. This I, year. I see it there for Akers again, just because the offense M- Montgomery, I don't that that's going to be a bad bears offense. We've the coaches came out last week and said our O line is a mess basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, Montgomery, I'm with you. I'm not worried about missing out on ceiling Akers Again, I still see it just because the offense for him. I think when we throw in the coming off the Achilles and the questions about the offensive line, there are a lot of things that need to come together perfectly to get him to hit ceiling. He Akers is no doubt riskier than even Zeke Elliott. I think he's definitely riskier mm-hmm. than ETN. I think he's probably even riskier than Brees Hall, even though we haven't seen him in the NFL because of the Achilles, and on top of that, now we have these concerns over his volume. And of course, we're talking about the uh, traditional. I don't know if it's if it's late enough in the cycle of it to call it traditional RB dead zone, but <laughs> it probably and, is. It's been a few yeah. years now. Yeah, the dead zone is moving at yeah. all times. I, again, I to me, it's like around five six right yeah. now is where I'm not touching the position. Mm-hmm. You can see where people are drafting all of these players in the Draft Sharks Invitational. We are three drafts into that, which means the halfway point. We've got three more to go. We've streamed all of them so far. We will continue doing that. And if you've watched any of them, all these drafts are happening on Fantrax. 
Jared, as we're streaming them, <laughs> is the commissioner. And Jared, I from being on the stream with you for all three drafts so far, I, it, I, I can't tell that you're commissioning. I already know it, but I can't tell because it doesn't seem like there are any snags along the way. Well, that's good. That's what we want, right? Um, right. And it, it's it's super smooth. You know, I've we've we had one guy show up late, so I had to you know mess with that as commissioner. We had to pause the draft once. I did that as commissioner. All while streaming, super easy. They have a commissioner panel that's like right there. Everything you need is right there. So great experience as a commissioner. Um, you know, I've drafted on Fantrax. Great experience there. I'll be drafting in the invite Tuesday, so I can I can report back about how that goes as a. Uh, as a drafter rather than a, as the commish. And you can see the beautiful draft board that goes along with it with not only the colors, but player pictures. Faces, yeah. yeah, to try to just to make sure that you know it's not Antonio Brown and it is AJ <laughs> Brown that's right. getting drafted. And of course, Fantrax is totally free, not just to us because we're talking about it and using it, but to you. You can go on set up your free league. You can import an existing league. Uh, go to Fantrax.com slash DraftSharks. You know, give it a try. There's no reason not to, really. And if you do it in August, you get automatically entered in their big promotion where one league is going to get sent to an NFL city of your choice. You're going to a game. You're getting $6,000 to spend with your friends. I mean, that's the reason you're playing in this fantasy league is because it keeps you connected with your friends. It gives you guys or girls, a way to compete, to stay in touch with each other. You know, now you can go on football vacation together. And I'm not sure we've announced this on the podcast, but I know we sent an email for Fantrax last week. Draft Sharks people get two times the entry. So you get two oh, you get two entries into that contest if you, you know, use our promo code, sign up for Fantrax Fury League. So you have double the chance to win that trip. I didn't even know that because I don't read all the way through emails. I I just glance at all of them and it makes my 15-year-old daughter mad because I miss stuff that she's supposed to be at. But yeah, that's uh, I mean that's even better. Now you got double the chances to win it. Double the chance. Oh baby. Now it's just a matter of which NFL city you're going to pick. So go to fantracks.com/draftsharks, double your chances of winning. Jared, let's move on from the Rams because, you know, we've talked about them plenty. Let's move on from the Bears because it's just depressing. And let's stay in the backfield because Travis Etienne is a lot more fun to talk about. Is he a riser or a faller on our board? Oh, he's, he's a riser. He's been rising early all offseason. And, you know, the question with Etienne is how he was going to look coming off the list, Frank. Cause that, that can be a tough injury. Uh, but he did suffer it. Well, it was last August, right? So he's over a year removed now. Everything out of Jack's camp, you know, multiple beat writers. We had Hayes, Carly on, come on our podcast and tell us we should be drafting etn higher is what is what he said mm-hmm. um so that was a big thing for me because i loved etn coming into the draft process he kind of checked every box he got first round draft capital and he's healthy uh, we'll see about james robinson that's kind of the question i think for etn ceiling is what robinson's gonna do in that backfield he did avoid puffed open training camp and he is you know potentially going to be there for week one but everything we're hearing out of Jacksonville is ETN has been their best player on offense. So I think he's going to play a big role. Yeah, and I mean, James Robinson is certainly further along than I would have guessed coming off his Achilles. I would have assumed he would start camp on the pup list and be a question for week one. It doesn't sound like that is the case. It sounds like he'll be ready to play. It, it Would it be better for ETN if he were out? Maybe, but... ETN's probably not the guy who should be carrying 18 times and catching five to six passes every game because we don't want him to wear down. We'd rather have a full season of ETN getting, you know, five fewer touches than nine games of ETN getting more touches. And we've t- we talked about that with the injury guide pod. The more touches you get, the better chance you get hurt. We also know that younger guys can be more susceptible to those injuries. So, to me, if your concern on Travis Etienne is James Robinson, let me ask you this. How do you feel about DeAndre Swift? 
because to me, Travis Etienne is DeAndre Swift around plus later with James Robinson playing the part of Jamal Williams. I think both of these guys are nearly identical in size. They're nearly identical in speed. They both brought plenty of college production at big time programs. They will both catch plenty of passes this year. So if you like DeAndre Swift, you know, unless you're a film grinder and you're like, well, I don't think Travis Etienne hits the hole the way he should. Fine. I'm not going to argue with you on that because I'm not a film grinder. I just see a very talented guy that was drafted in the first round that's playing with his college quarterback and is getting rave reviews in camp. And it's funny too, because Swift was going at this exact same spot in drafts last year. I remember three, you know, three, four turn is where you could get Swift last year. He turned out to be a great pick there. I think ETN's going to be the same. And that's the nice thing about, I think the James Robinson news is keeping ETN's ADP from climbing. Cause despite all this buzz, he, he hasn't really moved at least on underdog, you know, he's still going at that three, four turn. So I think it's, a, he's a great pick there. Yeah. I mean, he, Robinson might be active, but we, we saw with Akers last year coming off the same injury. Like, Akers was not the same guy. Mm-hmm. So if that's the case with Robinson, he might be active, but he might be active to, you know, get like five or six carries. And then, you know, Robinson's getting 65 75% of the backfield work. Yeah, and I mean, the team is not going to keep Travis Etienne off the field so that it can focus on James Robinson. Even to that end, it's the whole new coaching staff. So yep. it's not like it's the staff that has been leaning on James Robinson and now we're expecting them to go to somebody else. It's a brand new coaching staff. And they've got an exciting young player who has not been unleashed on the league yet a lot of times Jared if we have a guy that starts in like early round five at the earliest stage of drafting into round four now into round three we'd be like watch out now guys because he's getting towards ceiling I don't think that's the case I think the ultimate ceiling for Travis Etienne and you know I'm not saying this is what he will do but ultimate ceiling I wouldn't be shocked if this time next year we're talking about him among the top six seven running backs yeah I mean you're probably sick of hearing me saying it but I've always thought you know Alvin Kamara could be, you know, what ETN turns into as terms of role in terms of like efficiency, especially in the passing game. And Kamara obviously has been a first round pick for much of his career. Basically just needs to grow his hair out and cap more of his teeth in gold. <laughs> He'll get there. Elsewhere in the backfield, we got the Ravens running backs, Jared, J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, they up or down? Dobbins up, Edwards down a little bit. And we've had two straight, and it's funny, all spring <laughs> and even into the early summer, it was Edwards is ahead of Dobbins in their rehab from their, their knee injuries. But now, we've gotten two straight reports now that have Dobbins, you know, a better chance to be ready for week one than Gus Edwards. Actually, uh, Pro Football Focus's Doug Kayed said there doesn't appear to be any concern about Dobbins' availability for week one. Uh, that's the most optimistic report we've heard on him. Yeah, actually, today, you know, Monday, August 8th, Dobbins is supposed to be reevaluated to, you know, potentially come off the pup list. So by the time you listen to this, we'll probably have another update on J.K. Dobbins. There are still concerns with him as far, mm-hmm. you know, he's first of all, he's coming off the serious knee injury. And then there's, you know, Greg Roman's history of backfield committees, poor passing game volume for Dobbins. So there, there's still concerns, but um, if he's a good runner and if he's healthy and if he's the clear lead guy there, you know, he's going in the sixth round. He, he, he could pay off there if he's ready for week one. Yeah, I think if he comes off the pup this week, he's probably going to vault up yeah. draft boards because there are a lot of people excited. And I will probably remain not high on Dobbins because of that likely committee. And I just, I don't think that the ceiling ultimately rises that high, but if he stays in the range where he's going in that low uh, RB2 range, I'm fine with taking a shot on him, especially as we get into lineup setting where you can ensure against him not delivering on the promise. You know, we talk about best ball and we're looking for ultimate ceiling and we're still chasing ceiling in lineup setting leagues. But it's a little bit easier to work around whatever happens when we are setting our lineups every week. And maybe Greg Roman does move away from a committee a bit if it's you know Mike Davis. Or... Maybe Gus Edwards is not ready, right? Exactly. Yeah. Nobody if, else if there is, is going to match that. I mean, I think it's been a committee the last couple of years there because Gus Edwards is good. 
But if it's Mike Davis as the you know next best, best option, maybe Dobbins does you know get 16, 18 carries per game. And to be fair to Dobbins, we don't have a full season of him to see. Right. We have the one year that we've seen him was his rookie year where Mark Ingram was the backfield leader for half of it. The second half was Dobbins and Gus Edwards splitting evenly. We don't really know what the Ravens would have done last year if both of those guys had been healthy. Maybe it would have been Dobbins as more of the backfield leader and less committee than we all think. And especially if Gus Edwards is not ready, it's only more room for Dobbins to get more of those touches. I still think they'll limit it especially coming off the knee. Yeah. But, you know, I, I'm not going to pretend I know exactly what Dobbins's trajectory looks like. Yeah, look at us saying nice things about J.K. Dobbins' draft failure. You know, we're, we're always uh, willing to to adjust. And he's going, what, two rounds later than I think he probably would have if there wasn't this ACL thing. So mm-hmm. I, I think the you know that's kind of baked into the price tag right now. Mm-hmm. Tony Pollard, riser or faller? Riser. Um, we're, we're hearing good stuff. We're hearing good stuff from beat writers. You had... Um, Jerry Jones talk up Pollard's role. You had uh, offensive coordinator Kellen Moore talk up Pollard's role. And I never know how much to buy into this, but there is talk of them, you know, getting Pollard and Zeke on the field together. It really makes sense <laughs> here. The Cowboys lost. I mean, we're going to talk about Jalen Tolbert, but the Cowboys uh-huh. lost James Washington. Michael Gallup has said he's not going to be ready for week one. Like it is thin at wide receiver and Pollard can do some of that slot stuff. So I'm buying mm-hmm. into that a little. I think you're still drafting Pollard for the ultimate upside of, of Zeke going down or Zeke just, being kind of done and them turning the backfield over to Pollard at some point this season. But I do think there's a good chance he's going to have standalone Valley right out of the gate. I think for every team at some point in camp, we get those reports like, oh, that they've got both guys in the backfield at once. Big yeah. eyes emoji. It's almost that's almost never going to happen. I think it's important when you see reports like that to think about the type of player that that RB2 is. And I agree with you that Tony Pollard is the type of player that could get more of those slot type opportunities. You know, they talked about being, I I saw them being aligned with Zeke as the fullback. Don't bet on that being a common (laughs) alignment. Maybe we see it a couple of times, but that's not going to move the needle for Tony Pollard. What will is if he gets more of those receiving type opportunities, like we talked about with Jake Arthur in the Colts backfield for Naheem Hines recently. I think that's the type of player we're hoping the Cowboys view Pollard as. And I think there's a chance that he does get stuff like that. And even though people, you know, all of fantasy is waiting for the Tony Pollard breakout season. So he's not super cheap. He's in a range where it's okay to take a shot on him. He's not more expensive than he has been the past, yeah, at least last year. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mount. I mean, if he's not yet, I don't see why he's gonna well, rise we more. Unless we, we get don't a preseason, pre-season games splash yet. play. Oh, we're. I mean, yeah. we're we're one preseason Pollard splash game away from him passing Josh Jacobs. Yeah. Pe- people want to be in on Pollard. So you might be right. I mean, dra- draft him now if you're drafting. I do think he's priced at a, at a nice spot right now. And uh, to be fair, uh, he's another player that I think it's okay to not be in on. I mean, he needs a, a Zeke injury still to hit that ceiling where you regret not having him. Now, obviously, that's possible. But you also have to draft Pollard close to the bottom of RB2 range to get that. So there is some opportunity cost in taking that risk. Yeah, he's a better pick in these tournaments, you know, whether it's the best ball tournaments, whether it's the FFPC main event, you know, where you want that upside. He, he I think he makes more sense. If you're just in a standard contained 12 team league, there's, there's probably guys that you know are going to give you a, a higher floor that are going mm-hmm. behind Pollard. Yeah, that's where I think you wait for him to fall and then say, OK, I'll take I'll scoop Pollard here and see what happens. Naheem Hines, I brought up the name. Yep. He's another riser, right? Yeah, as you said, Jake Arthur said he's kind of buying into this increased role for Naheem Hines. It's, it sounds like it really was the quarterback play, you know, last year in the in the Brissett year that you know those guys just and we knew Carson Wentz throughout his career has not targeted running backs. You know, mm-hmm. he's he's been below average as far as his target share 
to running backs. Now it's Matt Ryan. He's more willing to do that. It sounds like the Colts are more willing to get Hines on the field with Jonathan Taylor. I'm again, I'm, I'm buying into that a little bit. Right. I mean, the Colts lost T.Y. Hilton, Zach Pascal, Jack Doyle. Those guys combined for 149 targets a year ago. Um, you know, they have Alec Pierce, they have Paris Campbell, but there there is room for Hines to carve out a role, even you know, with Jonathan Taylor's role remaining similar to what it was last year. Hines remained good in the passing game last year, ninth in PFF passing grade, twelfth in yards per route run among 149 or sorry, 49 qualifying running backs. Um, so it, it, again, this, this, this one makes sense to me that Hines will be a pretty, pretty big part of that offense, even with a healthy JT. And it's not just one insider's perspective. It's yep. come from other places as well. You can check shark bites. I put something up on it yesterday morning. And it, by the way, most of the things we're talking about here are covered in shark bites, which you can get to, even if you're not a DS insider and a lot of it gets emailed out this time of year. So if you get on our email list, you will get alerted to this stuff. You can read it in the morning along with the, uh, the Fantrax promo that I didn't even know about <laughs> stepping into the studio. But the OC, Marcus Brady, talked even before camp about how they can line Naheem Hines up as a receiver, put him in the slot, even put him outside. And we have precedent here. Last year, the receptions came down, but Naheem Hines was actually in the slot a career-high rate. It was way up from the year before. It was nearly double his previous high there he had a previous high in total wide receiver level snaps. So it's not totally projection here. There's always some projection when it hasn't happened, but it's really more a matter of the new quarterback leveraging what was already there for Naheem Hines. And we'll also hope a little bit less pass blocking because he also did that at a career high rate last year. Yeah, it's almost like the Colts wanted to make him a thing last year. And Carson Wentz just said, you know, no, that's that's not going to happen. <laughs> I'm throwing uh, far, guys. <laughs> yeah. I, I still have issues with Hines like ceiling. You know, even in the event of a JT injury, I don't think Hines is going to, you know, step right, into Philip Lindsay's going to be the guy? The, Tyson Williams is there, too. Oh, get out of here. <laughs> oh, I mean, I mean, we already saw a team that wanted Tyson Williams to be the guy, and he was like, nah, guys, but I mean, but I mean Hines, Hines is not going to be a 15-carry-per-game guy, even if JT goes down. You know, he, he doesn't have, you know, anything closer to the, the Pollard upside. I do think know, he would be a 12-carry guy, though, in that case. Maybe. I mean, he'd be a fantasy starter. I just don't think the ceiling's, like, league-winning, I guess. Um, so he, he's fine in PPR. He's going in the you know RB 40 to 45 range. I think I think he's a, he's, he's a fine pick there. Mm-hmm. Uh, one more running back before we switch to a different position. It's Isaiah Pacheco, whose name you're going to have to learn how to spell because yeah. the buzz is building on him. It, it, it keeps coming. Um, you know, NFL Network's James Palmer was at Chiefs camps over the over the weekend. He made it interesting. Though. He said that he was told by the Chiefs that they're they've been impressed with Pacheco's pass protection ability, which is huge to me. I mean, one, their quarterback's Patrick Mahomes, and two, that's an area where rookie running backs tend to struggle, and that's why they're not able to get on the field. So if Pacheco's doing that. And he's making these splash plays in camp. He's already getting, you know, it's, it sounds like he's, you know, second behind Edwards Lair in terms of, you know, th- these RB drills. He's ahead of Jarek McKinnon. He's ahead of Ronald Jones. So th- this this seems real. Like, I think Pacheco could have a role right out of the gate. I think, you know, it's, it's Edwards Lair's job for now. Um, but, man, any Chiefs running back that has a chance, I think, it is, it is worth a draft pick. And Nate Taylor, the Chiefs guy for The Athletic, just said over the weekend, Isaiah Pacheco running with the first team is, a, is becoming a thing, guys. So... Again, this is I've said it before. This is all I've been waiting for as like the final nail in the Jarek McKinnon coffin. I, I'm all in on Pacheco. I just hope that he doesn't climb too far yeah. to make sense. He hasn't so far. I mean, I've been in a few underdog drafts and he's getting picked, mm-hmm. but it's you know still around 16, 17, 18. And the other factor for him helping his upside is, you know, we talk about these other guys needing an injury to vault them. I think that's probably the case for Clyde Edwards E. but 
he's let the team down for yes. two straight years now. So there is at least a chance that even in season, if CEH is healthy, Pacheco just commands touches. Yeah, Edwards Lair's draft capital, if nothing else, is going to give him the first crack at this. But I don't think Reed, Andy Reed, and you know, Mahomes, it, it, it's a team ready to win now. If they think Pacheco gives them the best chance, I think they'll be willing to to go to him. And frankly, they're going in a range where you can put them both on your roster yeah, and just sure. lock up the Chiefs' backfield, especially in a lineup setting format, but also in best ball. We talked about taking both Patriots running backs. Yeah. I think that this is another backfield where you can take both of those guys. Let's move to wide receiver now, Jared. And the first guy makes me smile because I drafted plenty of Michael Thomas very early when we were still waiting to see how the injury was going to sort out. He's finally back on the field, and it sounds like he looks pretty much like old Michael Thomas. Yeah, that's been consistent since the day he got back on the practice field. I think he missed, what, the first like two or three days of camp, and then he was back. And the first day, you know, the reporters there were like, you know, this this looks like Michael Thomas. That's just continued. He got back in team drills. Over the weekend, which you know, kind of the last step, I think, as far as practice goes, we'll see if we get some preseason. I'd love to see Thomas in a preseason game, just see him out there. You know, see if it does look like the old Maybe Michael Thomas nuts to put uh, him out there, though. Probably, <laughs> probably. We'll, we'll see. I guess. Um, you know, I there. I think there's still questions with that. I mean, we, we've never seen Michael Thomas without Sean Payton. We've never seen him without Drew Brees. You know, for a full season, right. Thomas did play. He played ten games without Brees uh, across. 2019 and 2020 that was with Teddy Bridgewater and some Taysom Hill 8.2 catches and 98 yards per game in those 10 games so he we've seen him produce without Breeze just not you know over over an entire season and the Taysom Hill games were post high ankle sprain yes yeah you're right so uh, yeah it's it's really it's all I need so far for Michael Thomas because the ADP is still in low wide receiver three range so the risk is still baked in because if he's anything close to old Michael Thomas and the QB play is competent, doesn't even have to be good, the upside is definitely into wide receiver one range. I'm not saying that I expect him to finish there, but you can't say that he doesn't have top 12 ceiling because we've seen it. He's yeah. been the number one overall wide receiver in fantasy multiple times. So the you know the ceiling is well worth the risk here because the reports are so good. Frankly, I kind of hope I don't see him in a preseason game because if we do get him flashing in preseason games, people are going to be like, okay, I'm in. I'll take him inside the top 24. Keep it in practice, guys. He's got, he can work against good corners there. He can get his experience with his quarterback there. And then we'll all unleash him on our fantasy and real opponents come regular season. Yeah, his ADP is already up 10 spots over the last week. So we, we've seen the climb start. Um, it could go higher. You know, we have him wide receiver 32 now in PPR. That that might be a little low. Uh, I'm not sure he'll, he'll crack, you know, the top 24. But I think if we continue to get this positive buzz on Thomas you know he, he might be at least into the you know mid-20s by the time uh, late August comes and he's a little early for the upside mode on the board but he's definitely an upside versus yes. projections guy because you can't we don't know what the projection looks like for him because in addition to the different quarterback different coaching staff we have Jarvis Landry in who he's never played with before we have Chris Olave in who he has never played with before so we don't know how many targets are going Thomas's way and obviously one of the greatest things working for him has been target volume. I would not expect he gets quite as much of that as he did with Drew Brees because this team probably won't throw as much either. But we're guessing on all of these factors. Yeah, just looking at Thomas's ceiling projection for a full PPR, it's higher than Jalen Waddell. It's higher than Terry McLaurin. It's higher than Jerry Judy. It's higher than both the Broncos guys, actually. So, yeah, if you are sorting by ceiling on your draft war room, you're going to see Thomas pop up quite a bit higher than his you know, baseline projection has him, has him ranked. Romeo Dobbs probably doesn't need to be talked about a lot because he's come up on multiple of our shows. And if you're looking at any Packers news, you've probably heard about him to this point. He's been a riser for us. 
And now I can give you the floor for this one. You <laughs> you wrote his last shark bite too about his usage in that uh, scrimmage. What was it? Friday night. Yep. Yeah, they had their family night scrimmage on Friday night, and it was Acme Packing Company, I believe, the blog. Mm -hmm. But Justice Mosqueda, who we've seen do uh, prospect stuff and other stuff, uh, a respected follower of football in general, yep. pointed out that um, he, he, he counted up the snaps for everybody, and Romeo Dobbs was right there with the starters. He was third among receivers. Sammy Watkins was, was up there. Uh, Alan Lazard, I don't have the yeah. shark bite in front of me yet, but... All three of those guys were very close together in usage. And that was a few days after you had Aaron Rodgers really talking Romeo Dobbs up, which, you know, that that spoke to me. Um, you don't see Rodgers talk about Rodgers doesn't like rookies too much. Like he, he <laughs> wants to see the – but it, it seems like Dobbs has already earned Rodgers' trust. Um, man, I don't really see a way where he doesn't open the year as a top three wide receiver at this point. You know, I mean, Christian Watson's still sidelined. He's not going to be a factor early in the season. I think, I think it's, it's going to be – Lazard and Dobbs, and then you'll probably Sammy Watkins as, as the top three Packers wideouts. Yeah, and that's the thing is he's not only trending toward being one of those top three, it's for a team where the other two are Sammy Watkins and Alan Lazard. Yeah. I mean, you know, maybe there's some upside to those two, and maybe they finish the year ahead of Dobbs in targets, but they certainly aren't, you know, rock ceilings that he can't break through. And top tight end Robert Tunyon has yet to return to the field, so we don't know what that's going to be like when he's going to return and how far beyond his ACL tear is. So, you know, basically, as long as Dobbs doesn't climb into the top 40 in ADP, there's yeah. going to be upside to him from where he's going. Yeah, his ADP is up 40 spots over the last week, but it, but it's still in the middle of the 14th round. Right. So, I mean, he he is still definitely a prime target there for me. Um, are you worried there's been, like, no Alan Lazard buzz? Or is it just he's Alan Lazard, he's not going to create any buzz? Yeah, why? Well, I mean, what's going to be buzzy about him? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, even yeah. I watched this, uh, like, hype video of him making a good catch in the end zone. <laughs> it looked like he didn't get both feet inbounds to me. <laughs> I was like, I yeah. thought about, you know, retweeting it and saying something like that, but I was like, ah, I'll just let it go. I mean, I mean, Do Dobbs could lead the Packers wide receivers in fantasy points. That would, that would not be crazy. Yeah, that's the thing. And it's, it's funny, too. It, it makes me think, every time I go on Twitter... And I say, this is something that could happen. Everybody seems to read it as, he says this is going to happen. I'm like, no, yeah. we're not drafting these guys for what is definitely going to happen. We're drafting these guys for what might happen. That's true for everybody. It, from the first pick to the very last pick, you're drafting for what might happen. And obviously, it's about figuring out that range of what might happen. But I love it when I put out something like, you know, Evan Ingram could lead the Jaguars in targets. And everybody's like, oh. Evan Ingram sucks. He's going to be hurt in week two. He's going to yeah. lead the team in drops. I'm like, I don't care if he leads the team in drops because that <laughs> means that he is very high on the team in targets. So, you know, it, it, I love getting pushback on the what could happen because yeah. that means that the guy is not going to climb too far. That's why Ingram's still a 16th round pick. There <laughs> are a lot of haters. I love it. Every time he goes outside the top 20 at tight end, I smile. Um, and I've seen that in our uh, DS Invitational drafts. So yep. we'll move on from Dobbs because, like I said, we've talked about him before. Donovan Peoples-Jones, Jared, is he a riser or a faller? He's rising for us. He's not rising in ADP much, Sweet. which I'm surprised. I mean, he's, he's round 16 on underdog, which is, you know, maybe up around from where he was before. But uh, lots of buzz on DPJ from beat writers, from coaching staff. Um, sounds like, you know, he's developed a, a rapport with Deshaun Watson. That's obviously the question with DPJ is how many games of Watson – is he going to get? But I, I've always liked the talent. Um, he has flashed over his first couple seasons, and he he seems to be the clear number two for the Browns at this point. 
Anthony Schwartz and David Bell both missed some time early in camp. They're both back now, but um, you know Bell's probably competing for the slot role. Schwartz seems to be way way behind DPJ for the other outside spot. So I think he's going to be on the field. And again, it comes down to how much Watson you're going to get. And those shorter range guys are not what you want, especially in this offense. That's probably not yep. going to be 60% pass. Is probably not going to have Deshaun Watson for at least six games. We'll see how that plays out. But Donovan Peoples-Jones has been an excellent best ball pick because he's going at the end of the drafts all along. It's only more so now that we have an indication that we should expect Watson to be on the field for a good portion of the season. Yep. Jalen Tolbert is our next wide out. Jared, what's going on with him? So Tolbert, uh, the Cowboys rookie, was already flashing early in camp. And then James Washington goes down with this broken foot. And we've gotten a six to ten week timetable for Washington. You know, the short end of that would have him back for week two. That that seems optimistic. Um, and we've seen. Wide receivers really struggle coming back from this uh, this Jones fracture um, and you know have setbacks. So I would expect Washington to miss at least the first few games of the season. Michael Gallup has already come out and said like I'm not going to be ready for Week One, which was which was nice. It's mm-hmm. rare to hear a player say that, but it was nice. Um, so like it, it's going to be Tolbert, I think, right? Like who else do they have? It's, it's a bunch be. of like seventh round rookies, or undrafted Tony rookies. Tony Pollard. It's going to be some of him, yeah. And, you know, the Cowboys top six in plays, top 10 in pass attempts in all three seasons under Kellen Moore. It's a good offense, obviously, to, to have a, a full-time role. And Tolbert's ADP is up uh, around 10 on underdog. It's up around and a half over the last week. Um, I wish I liked him a little more as a prospect. Like I was, I thought he was okay. You know, comes from a small school, um, had decent production, decent tape. I thought he, he's good downfield, which I think meshes well. With Dak, with kind of the role they want him in, right? I think like Gallup is kind of that downfield guy for for Dallas. I think that's what they're going to have Tolbert do, and I, I do think he he's good in that department. Yeah, and I think as long as his ADP doesn't get stupid, it, he's a player to talk yourself out of your pre-draft yeah. opinion of and just say, well, that the opportunity, he's obviously good enough. They took him in round three, so as long as he's not stupid high in ADP, and I don't think wide receiver 54 on underdog is stupid high given his opportunity. Uh, I think it's it's somebody worth reaching for. And, you know, we t- you talked about the situation in Dallas. It's so rough at wide receiver there that TJ Vasher has been a buzz player for the Cowboys in camp. TJ, there's a, is it Dennis Houston that's been getting some buzz? He's an undrafted rookie. Um, they have, they have Simi Fihoko, who's a guy I kind of like to come out of. Like, it's, 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 it's rough there. And we, you know, Dak Prescott didn't make this list, but we've nudged him down a little bit just you know because of the concerns with the pass catching core. Although I just put out a QB strategy guide today that might point you toward the range where he's going, so you could check that out and see what you think. Um, one more wide receiver, George Pickens. Jared, where is he going? He's he's climbing um, at least in part because Chase Claypool's been out with a shoulder injury, but Pickens has been awesome by all accounts in camp so far, and it's not a surprise. I mean, he's right. a guy he's a guy we liked, right? He was a top five recruit in his class coming into Georgia. Awesome freshman season at Georgia, led that team in catches, receiving yards, and touchdowns again as a true freshman at a big time school against SEC competition. It was actually a little better per game in his second season there. Then then he suffers a torn ACL last year. I, I still think Pickens would have been a first round pick had he not torn his ACL last year and basically missed the season. I think that talent is showing in Steelers camp so far. Um so we'll see. I mean he I think he's locked into a top three spot. So he's gonna he's gonna be on the field. Um there are questions with Chase Claypool, obviously, you know, both the health and you know some of the maturity stuff, I guess. Um, so I, you know, there's room for Pickens to carve out a, a pretty big role in this passing game. Yeah, and I think the fact that he was a second-round pick after playing 
12 total games over the past two years, basically missing his junior season and really having one full college season says a lot about what at least the Steelers, we assume the NFL, thinks about his talent. So, uh, you know, another kind of similar to Jalen Tolbert in that as long as he's not climbing too high up, it just makes sense to take a shot on the talent. Yeah, 13th round ADP and underdog for Pickens. Uh, it's up about a round and a half over the last week, but still a spot I'm going to be taking him. And yeah, you, you mentioned the Steelers drafted this kid. I mean, Steelers have a pretty nice track record of you know drafting these middle round wide receivers. Yeah, and he's more of a bench stash than Tolbert because the immediate opportunity is not great, but there is the handcuff upside if either Chase Claypool or Deontay Johnson goes down, then we'll we'll see what happens beyond that. And certainly makes sense in best ball where we don't have to decide whether to start him. One final name is not a receiver, mm-hmm. but he has primarily been over the previous few years. The issue with him this year just might be that he's less of a wide receiver now and more of a tight end. Yeah, Mike Kosicki, who I know you're a big fan of his blocking ability, um, he he came out and said that you know Mike McDaniel has him blocking more in that offense. So yeah, it doesn't doesn't seem smart. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see you know how things look the first couple weeks of season. But I, I had sort of been looking for a reason to dump Kosicki down our rankings, and you know that that definitely was uh, good enough for me. Even you know you go back, you look at George Kittle, and you know that you know that's Kyle Shanahan's offense. It's not Mike McDaniel. We don't know if it's going to be the same, but George Kittle has never ranked higher than ninth among tight ends in pass routes, and he's only been higher than 18th once. And some of that is because his injuries and the run-heavy offense in San Francisco. But um, you know he, he's done a lot of blocking in that offense, and it kind of seems like McDaniel has the same type of role in mind for for uh, Mike Kosicki. The Dolphins did franchise him to keep him around when he hit the open market this offseason, but they also paid big to get Tyreek Hill. They paid to get Cedric Wilson. They paid to get Chase Edmonds. So, I mean, there's an issue of target volume here, regardless of how often he is blocking. Any increase in blocking is bad. He is at tight end 14. So it's still, it's a fine, then that's on underdog. Um, so that's still a fine spot. For me, all offseason, Gesicki has been like, a, I guess I need a tight end, and Gesicki can at least give me spike weeks, so I'll go ahead and take him. To me, he's just one of those guys now in that big clump that we've talked about, like, you know, tight end 10 through 22. Um, I've noticed his ADP dropping, and at least in the like three or four underdog drafts I've done over the last week, like no one wants to draft him out. So mm-hmm. I've actually taken some Gasicki, yeah. you know, like tight end sixteen or seventeen or whatever. Um, I, I still, I, I would still bet on him finishing third on this team in targets. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I would probably pick him to finish third, and that's the other thing about you know, if if somebody's falling for you on your board, not falling for you like in love with you, <laughs> but. If they're a faller for you, they're probably a faller in general as well. And so you watch that fall, and if it's just too far, then you could take advantage of that fall, even if you're not excited about the player. I do think Kosicki specifically, I'm probably not going to want in a lineup setting league because I can still wait beyond that. And I feel better about Evan Engram as a week-to-week PPR guy straight up than I do Mike Kosicki. Me too. And, you know, David Njoku, you know, maybe even guys like Tyler Higby. Um so yeah, I, yeah, I definitely like him in best ball more because I, I I do think it's going to be Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle is a clear top two, and then again I'd bet on Gesicki being the three, but you're going to have Cedric Wilson and you're going to have Chase Edmonds in that mix. So I I don't think the volume is going to be huge for for Gesicki. Mm-hmm. By the way, we're talking the underdog ADP. If you go on there and sign up and put in promo code Sharks, you can get a full deposit match up to 100 bucks. So that's a whole bunch of extra drafts where you can either take or pass on Gesicki, but definitely take Evan Engram. Jared, that's it for our risers and fallers today. So now it's time for people to go take advantage of them. The Draft War Room is waiting to help you crush your draft right now. It's just sitting there idle, wondering when you're going to come join it. You become a DS Insider. You sink your league. 
does the league sync with where I play? Yeah, probably. You can check it out. We check the site. We'll tell you what it does. And there's a video ahead of time. If you're like, well, I'm not that tech savvy. I'm not sure if it's for me. Watch the video and you'll see how easy it is. We're always around to help you as well. I mentioned we're on Shark Bites duty. We're also on customer service duty this time of year. So we are tracking the news. We're answering your questions. Become a DS insider. We will dominate your league together this year. For Jared Smola and the rest of the Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Schaaf saying thanks so much for swimming with us.